This is Working the Beat. It is Tuesday night, October 8, 2019. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad to have you with us here. First of two shows this week as we talk to you about the world of sports. It's an interesting week as um, the Eagles start their three-game jaunt away from Lincoln Financial Field against three teams that are playoff teams right now or look like playoff teams as of right now. Sixers get underway. We'll talk a little controversy at the end of the show uh, involving the Sixers uh, as well. Um, you know, and, and some other topics I'm sure we'll throw around. Michael Jack, how are you? Playoff baseball looks like it's a lot of fun. It I've does. Wa- I've been watching like the last, you know, I mean, the, the Yankees could play the Twins a hundred times in the playoffs between now and, and then. they would sweep them every time. No, no, the Twins would win like 10 games. You know, be like 90 and 10. It is amazing to me that you look at Oakland. They haven't won a deciding game since, I think, 1990 or, or maybe even before that. It's, it's just, So, Billy Beans, whatever Billy Bean does, it works. It gets them to the playoffs. Yep. They never win. No, which, they don't. Which is just amazing. But in fairness, their payroll is about a third no, of no, some no, of the but teams you, are You playing. would think they would have won maybe two of the seven. Or two of the nine, or, or well, whatever. Let's be honest. Moneyball, the movie, ignored the basic fact of why that team went to the playoffs that year, which was they had Zito and they had Mulder and they had like. Well, yeah, but they I mean Hudson they still won twenty straight games and and they made some weird moves that the manager. But you can have a like, small market payroll and and he's done it like eight times since then. Yeah. This isn't like 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 that. They never get in. They they do this on a fairly now. They haven't done it. Real, but they've done it on a fairly regular basis, and they always lose. Yeah, and they were home this year. I mean, they were the home team, and it, it reminds me a little bit. And actually, at home field advantage because of the fact that they took the tarps off and they could actually put fifty thousand people in it's, that it's place. It's just funny to me how sometimes, and the Twins had won a hundred games. Yeah, they were like the surprise of the, and the Yankees just took them out. Boom, boom, boom. Well, the Twins also took advantage of a very weak I don't American care. Central. You won 100 games. If the Phillies won 100 games, it's like they used to say, well, Andy Reid took advantage of a bad NFC East. I don't care. Well, he made four NFC title games or five in a Super Bowl. I mean, it is what, if they, if you said the Twins won 90 games, i right. say, okay, they won 100. It's hard to win 100. Well, think about it. By the time play ends tomorrow night, you could have the Braves and the Nationals in the National League Championship Series, and the Phillies will Except still... Except the Braves never win those games, and the Nationals never. And the Dodgers never win those games either. I, the last couple years they have. I, I should take You ruined back. my punchline. Oh. And the Phillies will still be deciding who they want as their manager. Just for, Tell me how many times the Phillies have won 100 games. Uh, Two? Three. Three. So, I think 100 70, wins... 70... Eight, se- seven, no, no. 77, 76, they won 101. I don't... 77 or 77 they won 101 and 76 they won 100 and obviously 102 in in so it's not that easy to do no it's not and you know i'm not it's getting a little easier when you have like a a third of the league that doesn't really give a crap the phillies couldn't win more than 82 so you know i mean they they were 18 games playing in a harder league you know there's probably some bad teams but i'm saying you got the astros Mm -hmm. the yankees you know whatever it's and and Playoff baseball is playoff. Anything is great. Playoff baseball, and you're a ba- ba- you're a baseball guy. Playoff baseball and playoff hockey are the two best. They things. are. You're right. But but playoff NBA NBA is pretty good. Although you're yeah, right. Here's it's, the one thing though with playoff NBA, and honestly, a little bit playoff NFL. 
you kind of know going in who's going to be there. Home teams. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the, the setup is such well, hockey's where, like the ultimate, it doesn't matter who's home kind of right. thing. Because game sevens are won as many times by the visitors almost. As, where you have a team like St. Louis that came out of nowhere last year to, you know, yeah, obviously was last place in, in, in January yeah. and ended up winning but, it. Um, but playoff baseball, it's you get in the tournament and it's a crapshoot. Playoff baseball. Now, I shouldn't say that because this year it looks like in the American League, Barring like uh, a comeback here, and the and the Rays as we're taping this uh, are playing the Astros, and if the Rays win the next two, obviously it'll be a big upset. But you're gonna have Astros, Yankees, and those are the two best teams in baseball. Yeah. And and I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. I mean, but they've been in the World Series. The great thing about playoff baseball to a person that doesn't really like me, it doesn't really watch games like in the every pitch matters. I remember trying to explain this to my son years ago when he was you know getting older, and I said, Stephen. Every pitch matters because if the first pitch, if maybe you get a bad call or something, now the one and zero as opposed to the zero and one, it's like it's so many things in, well, in playoff baseball change. Well, everything. and the other thing too is you have guys doing what they normally don't do. You have a Scherzer going on, or sure. you have your Verlander going yeah. on three days rest. You have Scherzer coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, it, that's kind of become a cool part of all this. Yeah, speaking of baseball, and we will. Talk baseball on this edition of Working the Beat again because to talk about well because to be honest it's still Phillies held hostage day ten. Uh, if he's not coming back, if he's well, coming back, he's not held the, hostage. In, the in this indecision twenty nineteen of whether Gabe Kapler will return as manager. Matt Matt Gelb from the uh, from the Athletic will join us. He wrote an interesting article today. Which kind of outlies, you know, we're getting these plans and dribs and drabs, and we'll talk to Matt about that, about uh, obviously there's going to be training staff shakeups. Uh, that was revealed in Matt's article today. All the coaching staff is coming back except for hitting coach, pitching coach, which is obviously the two big coaching uh, portals, if you will. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. So we'll talk to Matt about all that, and that will be our topic right off the bat here. It's Matt Gelb from The Athletic talking Phillies. Again, <laughs> homework in the beat. Phillies beat writers who has been literally anchored to his computer with his cell phone on hold for the last 10 days at least. And uh, we'll probably have a few more days to, to think about what's going on. Wrote a great article on the athletics website today. It's Matt Gale. Matt, how are you? Pretty good, Kevin. I, I need to get a new battery for my iPhone. It was one of the things I had to do after the season ended. And uh, to do that, I have to surrender it, you know, for like at least half hour or an hour. And I, I, <laughs> don't know if i can do that right now so i still haven't gotten it so i am tethered to uh tethered to my desk go at like it's three in the morning a weird go at like three in the morning just show up at t-mobile at three and yeah i'm just, i've got a half hour window here you know explain who you are and why you only have a half hour window they'll do it 
Unfortunately, they 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 don't they don't give uh, preferential treatment at the uh, Apple Genius Bar apparently <laughs> and, on Walnut Street. So it's a it's it's a thing, I guess. Maybe they're Phillies fans. You'll get lucky. You'll run into a Philly fan or something. Um, <laughs> all right. So where do we stand here at the end of Tuesday night? And I would assume nothing gets announced tomorrow because of Yom Kippur, the Jewish holidays. But where do you think this stands? I, I don't think much has changed. You know, I mean, I think, you know, as I sort of laid out in my story, I mean, I, I, like, look, this is one man's decision and there, there's no power struggle. There's no, you know, like internal debates happening right now. I mean, this is all uh, John Milton and uh, he, you know, you can look at it a few different ways. He's either uh, undergoing the most thorough decision making process uh, we, we've seen or he's uh, overthinking it. Uh, there's there's a lot of different ways of looking at this, but from what I have gathered, I mean, there's no like nefarious, like it's not like they've told Kaplan and they're, they're, they're just waiting or that they're not going to say anything. I mean, I, I think it's simply John Milton has not made his decision yet. And, you know, nine days after the season, you know, two weeks since they were mathematically eliminated, there's there's been enough time, in, in my opinion, uh, to make this decision, but uh, here we are, and we're still waiting. Are we? Are we any? Like, I think we all expected it would be Tuesday of last week. Then it got to maybe the end of the week, and then it was this week. You could you couldn't see this dragging on in the next week, could you? I don't know. I mean, I keep I, honestly. I've given up trying to figure out. First of all, what's going to happen and when it's going to happen because. Like you said, I mean, you know, there were some kind of, there were some indications from the front office that that they were going to have some kind of decision early that first week after the season ended, and then all of a sudden it was just kind of quiet. And then, you know, people would say, "Well, we need, you know, he needs more time, and he needs to talk to more people." Um, now you can read into that as as would like, does it mean that he was like really wanted to, you know, had his mind made up at the end of the season he was going to fire him, but he had to be talked into. Uh, seeking out more opinions. I, I don't know. Like I, it's, it's, it's very easy to speculate about this right now uh, because there's a lot of people like, I think inside the Phillies offices who are doing their own speculating right now because they don't know. There's like really, there's one guy and he's, his inner circle is so small that uh, like, I, I think even like, you know, high up people in the Phillies offices are, are doing their own questioning. I think they're asking each other, like, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, really, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I think that's kind of the current status of things. So, Matt, which is the weirder press conference when it happens? And I'm assuming there's going to be one either way. Uh, there would be one, if obviously, if it wasn't. But which is the weirder one? That he sits there on Friday or Monday or third and says, we've decided to bring Gabe back, or the one where he says, nah, I, you know, we decided to let him go. After so, so much I time. Think, yeah, so I think the more uncomfortable one will be we decide to let him go because quite honestly, Mike, my, my first question is, okay, then and let's say the press conference is Middleton sitting up there with Andy McPhail and Matt Clentac, uh, the team president and the general manager. One of the questions has to be, well, well why are these guys still employed? Ooh, it's I a mean, good one. because the owner, the owner would have essentially – you know, gone over them and made a baseball decision that, uh, you know, the, the, the chain of command would be broken. And you would have to say, well, what, what, 
what's going on here? You know, who who's going to get the next hire? You know, what kind of power does the team and the team president have now if the owner has sort of bigfooted them on the manager? And, you know, is the owner going to be Madison because he has to, you know, he has to authorize the money, but uh you know what what if what if the what if the front office says we prefer Rendon over Garrett Cole but Middleton says no I want the pitcher I mean it's just you know you have to wonder about the chain of command and that 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 to me would be the more uncomfortable press conference uh than than them bringing him back now I guess it's a coin flip I mean both of them would be pretty pretty good theater right I mean yeah could you imagine if they're bringing back and I'm just trying to think about like if they get off to a slow start and I think everyone has thought about this. You're like, gosh, like, you know, this is what a weird situation. This is it's so weird. Well, and, so and weird. it kind of fits the whole Kapler era because the Kapler era has felt weird right from the start. I mean, even, you know, that first that first uh, series in Atlanta last first game. Year. Yeah, the first game, the first series, everything has just felt a little off. If they bring Kapler back, okay, they've obviously changed the two biggest spots on the coaching staff and pitching coach and, and, and hitting coach. But it sounds like they're going to bring most of the staff back too, is what you reported. Um, yeah, they plan on bringing everyone back. Yeah. I mean, why, you know, do they expect a different result just with everybody getting healthy and here we go and we're going to go get a, a couple pitchers and this will correct everything? How much, if they bring him back, is it an admission that it was a total organizational failure and not the manager? Well, so, yes, there is an element of that. I think, you know, if you if you listen to his advocates within the organization, they would tell you that, look at Gabe Kapler at the end of 2019 and compare him to Gabe Kapler at the beginning of 2018, even the beginning of 2019. And they say, you know, here's a guy who has made adjustments. He... Uh, has realized what works, what doesn't work. He's made better connections with players. And again, these are, this is what his advocates would say um, as to why he should get another chance at this. And, and I do, I can see some of this argument. I mean, if, if the big knock on Gabe is that he lacks experience or, uh, you know, doesn't have a real feel, well, you've just given him two years to gain that feel and gain experience. And now you would just like set him free and you would sack, a, you know, you would cite a lack of inexperience. I mean, that I, I see that. I, I can see what they're saying. You know, they, they just, you know, really lived and died for these two years to give him that experience that he lacked. And now he has it. So, you know, you would have to believe in his ability to keep making those adjustments. But I think behind the scenes, Kevin, there, there were definitely some things that they'll look to improve. And we, we sort of alluded to it in the story about, the pitching program, I mean, they, you know, there are certain analytics and certain metrics and, and, and processes for lack of a better word that, that they trusted last year that, that they didn't, that in the end, they, they really wondered about what, if they were using the right data, if they had put too much trust in certain things that they shouldn't be trusting. I think internally they have had to look at everything and, they are probably going to make a lot of changes as to how they process information, how they use the data, you know, how much of it they use, what they use. I think there was a rude awakening for them halfway through the season when they were realizing maybe this isn't the right stuff or maybe we're putting too much stock into this. And that's not, this is, again, this isn't like a, 
an old school versus new school debate, they're always going to be using data. I think the question is how do you implement it and how much do you use it and what do you use? And, and Matt, uh, is it similar to the debate they had last year? Remember at the, going in the spring train, we heard a lot about defensive positioning that they weren't great on shifts last year and they felt they maybe misread data on that. Is it almost in the same line with their pitching philosophy data that they may be looking at this year? Yes. Yes. And, and, and I think they, they use this as an example of being like, look, we are so far behind, you know, the Astros and the Yankees and the Dodgers of the world, because those teams use a lot of data to make their on-field decisions. And they have, sort of they've tested it and, and retested it and tested it again. And they've figured out what models work the best. The Phillies are just behind there. And, and I think they probably tried to accelerate some of that stuff on the, on the field level too fast. And we, we, we saw it. I mean, we saw some, some major flaws in it and, and it's just, it's a, you know, it's an example of team just, just trying to, to push something that wasn't ready. Do you think Matt, that you, we, we've heard that, that he was going to players and he was going to talk to, and I understand you want to talk to Bryce Harper. You, know, you just gave him three hundred thirty million. He's going to be here for the next decade or so. But I mean, I can't imagine like a player. Most players probably like playing for Gabe because he never throws him under the bus. He's positive, all this kind of stuff. But do you think that that would have a lot of input in this? Like, and I'm just throwing Harper as an example, but maybe like he talked to Noel, or maybe he talked to Riamulto or whatever. But is John does John strike you as the kind of guy who would really value that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do, Mike, because I think I think there's value in in getting you know player X alone in a room with him and saying, look, what you share with me uh, isn't going to leave this room. You can be as honest and and upfront with me as you want to be. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you didn't like. It's very different than me going into the clubhouse and asking Bryce Harper like. Hey, what do you think of Gabe Kapler? I mean, like right next to Reese Hoskins. Yeah. Right next yeah. to Reese Hoskins and Scott Kingery yeah. and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know what those guys are going to say. And I mean, I think, um, I, I think there is value in Middleton trying to get to the truth there. I, I, I look like, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it's like, you know, our biggest fault right now is like that this is taking too long. I don't think that should be the criticism is that it's taking too long. I think the criticism maybe is like, well, like, if you if you you know don't you have enough information or, or are you you know are you overthinking this? I mean, like I, I don't want to like fault them for trying to to make the right decision. Um, and, and I know in in this you know in this world now we want everything instantly. I, I get that. I'm I'm sympathetic to the fact that this is this is taking too long. I think we can agree with that. But like you know, I, I get it if he wants to make sure he has as much information as he can get. And I, I think an unvarnished opinion from, from important players matters here, you know, especially if you're like looking at a guy like real Muto, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 99% certain he has met with real Muto in person, uh, face to face. And this is a guy that you want to resign this off season to a long-term extension. Like you want to get his opinion and, and, and he is a guy who's going to share his opinion. So, uh, you know, I do think it matters. I, I don't know like how much it matters here. And, and and like, this is getting to the next part of the question, which would be, well, how much does like public perception and how much does fan uh, rancor, you know, matter in this decision? Like, does that matter more than, than the player's opinions? And that's, that's a fascinating question, I think. Well, and the other part on that, Matt, you know, if you want to transition into that, 
uh, was is the fact that look they sold a, a huge number of tickets this year, but it's kind of you know I'll I'll use a, a Wall Street term it's kind of a soft bubble because of the fact that I love it when you talk like that <laughs> it, it, you know most of it came after the Harper the Harper uh, signing a lot of people who signed up for seventeen game plans and all that those are the people that if they don't like what's going on they can very easily turn their back and and and, and save that money. And that bubble may burst no matter who the manager is going to be going forward. So I guess that's part of the decision he has to weigh in this too. Yeah, and I think perception does matter. You know, I mean, perception matters. It mattered when they were debating Manny Machado and Bryce Harper last offseason. Uh, it it matters. And is, should it influence the decisions that you, every decision that you make? No, of course not. I mean, the moment that you start doing that, you're – you're probably going down a very slippery slope, but it does matter. I mean, like if you're trying to get people excited about next year, uh, you know, if you bring back Gabe, you better go sign Garrett Cole. I mean, and like maybe in three or four months, we're not even thinking about Gabe Calvert because they've wow. gone out, they've improved the rotation. They've gotten, you know, the, the team is better. They expect to contend, you know, and then of course, two weeks into the season, we'll probably be talking about Gabe Calvert's job status. But uh, I think right now we are, we, you know, we are hyper focused on this, and and look, this is the path they chose. I mean, the moment they hired Gabe Kapler, and you know, the focus was always going to be on him. He's he is a, the kind of personality who who will always generate that focus. And they didn't have to make to you know to go down that extreme path, but they did. And and there's no one to fault but themselves here. And 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 maybe he maybe with another year he improves. Uh, he has a better feel. He makes more adjustments. But the fact that you know, this has become such a debate here. Um, it, it's hard to it's hard to go make a U-turn right now. I mean, it's hard to go back up that road and be like, "All right, everything is fine. Let's hire a new hitting coach, new new pitching coach. We got rid of the trainers. Everything is great." I just I I don't know. I have a hard time believing that. Well, I, uh, two points on this. Could a this is a kind of a simple yes or no question? Could they move Kapler upstairs? In theory, is that a possible option here? Uh, I, you know, I mean, it's an option because he's under contract for 2020, but I, you know, like, I, I think that another special advisor underway. Yeah. Know? I don't, I, like, I, I'm thinking that the way that this is unfolded, if, if I'm Gabe Kapler, I'm going to say thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> okay. I mean, he, he can get another job in this game with someone else. He can also just take 2020 and go get paid by the Phillies. <laughs> right. I mean, he's, he's under contract. He doesn't have to. You know, maybe they give him a title, but he doesn't do anything. I, I think if I'm him, I'm, you know, given the way this has unfolded, I'm, I'm probably saying, uh, thanks, guys. I'm, I'm going to go look for another job. Yeah, go, go collect some television money somewhere. Um, part two, you mentioned Buck Showalter today as I think mutual interest was the term you used. Are they, we know how much Matt Clintac has pushed to keep Kapler and, and you know, there's people in the front office who are very strongly in Kapler's corner, but is there a is there a private compiling of a list here? Because look, Joe Madden looks like he's already going to be off. You know, by the time ever, if they do make a change, Joe Madden could not be available. I mean, do they have an idea on on what direction they could go if they do change? So it depends on who you ask. I mean, I, I've asked a lot of people this in the, in, in, the, in, inside the organization. And some people claim that, no, you know, we can't, we can't make a list. We can't do this until, you know, we've made a decision on the manager, but 
I, I, I find that hard to believe. Uh, I mean, I, I, from what I understand, I've talked to people from other teams, um, people who might be, who, who are close with people who might be candidates, people from the front office. And they've said that, you know, there is certainly some back channel conversations happening here. You know, there are people who are engaging the Phillies being like, Hey, if this were to happen, you know, what do you think about me? Or what do you think about this person? And, and that has to happen. I mean, I, I think, this equation can't be like, it can't be black and white. I mean, like you have to be like, okay, well, if we do get rid of Gabe, you know, who could we, who would replace him or who could possibly replace him? That has to factor into it. I would think, um, I think maybe John Middleton is saying that this is just solely a Gabe Kapler thing. He doesn't even want to think about who he could go get. And I also don't think that it's like a slam dunk that they go hire, you know, like the name experienced manager, if they do fire Gabe, uh, you know, obviously they're going to be connected to a lot of those guys and they make sense because what do you do when you fire someone? You typically look for the opposite of what, of that person that you just fired. So you look at, you know, like a Joe Girard or Buck Showalter or, or uh, uh, somebody along those lines. Um, I don't think it'll be Mike Sosha. He previously worked with Matt Clentak and I don't, did not go well. I, I don't remember. see that happening. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's it, it just it opens up a whole. It's funny because we haven't even considered all these. You know, let's say they do fire Gabe Cap, or like there's like there are just so many questions. Then so many different dynamics. It's like, does a experienced manager want to work for a front office that might not even be here in 2021? You know, I, I think there. You know, you're coming in knowing that you have to win in 2020. If you don't win in 2020 you know, your bosses might be gone. <laughs> there might be a total house cleaning. Uh, if, if the Phillies don't win in 2020, and then all of a sudden your manager just spent a year with the Phillies was hired by someone else. And now you're, uh, now you're getting a new boss. I mean, it, it, it's, it is, there's so much at play here. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a fascinating time for this organization. Okay, Matt. So if, if I said you got your 401k, you got to bet it all one way or another which way you go in at this moment in time? Well, <laughs> I've tried to resist doing this. I, I don't think he's going to be back. Um, I, I think they've gone too far down this road. Uh, I think if they had been very steadfast in saying a couple weeks, a couple of days after the season, excuse me, they say, look, we believe in this guy. He's coming back. He's our guy. We're going to change the hitting coach. We're going to change the pitching coach. We're going to, we're going to try to do a better job, but he's our guy. Now that you've dragged us out for this long, I, I just, it's, it's a, it would be a hard thing to sell. It would be a really hard thing to sell. It would be a hard thing, uh, cap or because as soon as they go onto a, a losing streak next season, you know, this is hanging over his head and it's just not fair. So I, I just don't think it's fair to everyone, uh, to bring him back at this point. So that, that's why I'll lean that way. But I, I can't say that this is any, you know, this is, this is solely speculation on my part. I swear to you. I mean, because I, I've tried to figure out, uh, I've tried to handicap this by talking to as many people as I can. And I'm telling you most of the time, the response that I get from people who are in the know is what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> and I say, well, this is why I'm asking you. So I, I and, and that's a lot different than it was even the last weekend. I think the last weekend, everybody thought it was pretty much fait accompli, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did. Yeah, I did. But I, then again, I, I don't know. 
I've learned to <laughs> the Phillies don't always just, fit just don't the norm. Know. You just don't know. So. Yeah. Um, is it fair to assume that if Matt Klintak, I'm sorry, if Gabe Kapler remains, that Matt Klintak has tied his future to Gabe Kapler? Yes. And yes. if if it goes wrong next year, it's a wipeout, probably of all three of them at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think yeah, yes, is the answer to that. And I think if even if there is a new manager and it goes wrong next year, I think you're looking at you're looking at a, a, a lot of changes. I really do. I mean, um, I mean, Andy, I don't know wh- what Andy's day to day is anymore. I think it's pretty much been Matt has had the opportunity to do what he wanted. Yeah. And, 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 and it would be natural, you know, going away moment for any McPhil because his key, actually his contract, I believe takes him through 2020 and Clintac goes through 2021. Not that that would be any sort of, you know, deterrent to making a change, but if, if McPhail's Clintac, excuse me, if McPhail's contract, you know, simply expires at the end of 2020 and they decide to move on from him, that's, you know, it's just it's the timing would work i guess is, is, is how to say it but, and it and it yeah. doesn't and it doesn't even get into the changes they're going to have to make on the field to oh by the way compete against two teams that could face each other in the national league championship series right, I know. how funny is that like we've been focusing so much on the manager who in my opinion is really not as important as he used to be even like 10 years ago and both the braves and the nationals are lining up to you know perhaps play each other in the NLCS and aren't, aren't going anywhere in 2020. Uh, this, this is, it's not good. I mean, they, they have a lot of things to do on the field, off the field. Yeah. They face some pretty long odds here. And uh, you know, they, they for a long time believed that they had an opening in the division uh, to, to, to have a, a pretty solid run uh, time, you know, open this, you know, contention window. But uh it's it's not looking like that as much anymore. I mean, this is this is this is going to be hard. Matt, when you, I know how we look at it here in Philadelphia. Do you get the sense around the major leagues that people are looking at this too, and it just makes the the Phillies kind of look whatever, or is that overrated? I mean, does it do the rest of major leagues not care how the Phillies look, or you know, what I'm saying I'm it just it just seems to me like if I'm John Middleton, I'm sitting there at some point going. Man, like everybody thinks we're idiots. <laughs> you look like the you look whether like he, the Redskins. Yeah, whether he makes the right decision or not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I will say this: like, you know, other teams are very intrigued by all this. I mean, I think they're looking at it. This is the the feedback that I've heard from a lot of people, and and it, and it's been it hasn't it's kind of come unprompted i've heard this from a couple different people from from other teams who work for other teams uh, in their front offices, and they've said. Like, look, like Matt Clintock and Andy McPhail inherited, you know, a great situation. Like, did they did they have a bad farm system? Yes. Did they have a, a rough major league roster? Yes. But you inherited a, a franchise where you could shape it how, how you wanted to. John Middleton gave them a blank check for their uh, infrastructure improvements, you know, on the on the R and on the analytics and R and D side. He gives them a blank check for for major league payroll. You know, this this is this is not. The, the, the typical rebuild where like you have these constraints and uh, you know, you, you, you know, you, you're trying to make do, I mean, they, they had, you know, this, this is an organization that shouldn't go eight years between postseason appearances. And that, and that's where we are now. And, and uh, you know, you can, you can debate whose fault that is or who's most to blame for that. But 
I think there's a lot of interested observers from other teams who are wondering, like, wow, like this this seemed like a really good opportunity, and now it seems much less than that. And and you have to wonder about the the people who are in charge. And especially when you consider the fact they had number one pick, they've had a couple top, you know, they've had three top ten picks, I think, in this tenure. I mean, and you don't really have that. When yeah. did when did Clintac take over? Two fifteen. Two fifteen. Okay. I mean, you, his first, yeah, his first, yeah. I mean, after the twenty fifteen season. Yeah, but what? So what if the third baseman and the pitcher and the minors turn out to be come up next year? Yeah, I but mean, when don't, you, don't you get a certain window though but, for but, prospects? Yeah, yeah, and yeah they, but they could be huge for them next year. But when you look at what the Braves have and what what the Nationals but have, but the Braves do that system. in three years is what I'm trying to say, Kev. Like. Clemtac takes over in 215. You're saying, okay, but if you pick a guy number one in 2017, he might not make the majors till 2020. That's all I'm saying. I, I understand, but I think that not all it, it's not the it's not the the volume of picks, especially the, the picks, I guess, lower down in the draft mm-hmm, sure. has not developed. Yeah. I, I I think that they put them in they put themselves in a spot where like Alec Bohm and Spencer Howard like need to be. Yeah. Exactly, all stars, yeah. Players, not, I mean, maybe not also, but I mean, like they need to be like really good everyday players. Yes. And if neither of them are, if only one of them is, you know, it's it's not looking so good. I mean, those guys have they have to hit on those guys, and, and, and probably at some point next season in the majors. And and look, Hazley is probably a fourth outfielder. Moniac is who knows what Moniac is. I mean, he had a good year this year, but there's some question on how his game projects. I mean, there's a it's a tough spot they're in. You're right. And I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I think, I think that the general manager is going to obviously get through this year, but if they bomb out again next year, I, I, I don't see him coming back. Mike, Matt, you said something interesting before, and you said, you don't think a manager, and I don't know exactly how you said it, but maybe even as much as 10 years ago, you said might not, how important is a manager? I mean, is it for setting the tone? Is it for making yeah, yeah. How, how like how, how much value do you put if they bring in a, a um, you know, a, a Girardi or somebody in here? How much of a difference do you think that makes if you don't think Gabe's the right guy? It's it's hard to say, Mike. I mean, like, there's it's one of those things that you just you, you just you don't know. I mean, there's no way to uh, objectively like put a value on on a manager. I think. I always thought that what would impress me about Charlie Manuel wasn't necessarily how he managed a game uh, because he wasn't the best in-game manager. He he didn't even manage the pitchers. He he was a good delegator. He had Rich Doobie manage the pitchers and Jimmy Williams helped. But, and Jimmy Williams helped him a lot in '08 as a game manager too. Yeah, and Pete McCannon later on. Yep. Yeah. And, but what what Charlie did is he was such a great manager of personalities. I mean he. You know, think about it. I mean, think about that your fate. You know, your your best boss or your favorite bosses over the years, Mike. I don't know if you have any of those, but <laughs> oh yeah, I had plenty of them. <laughs> I mean, they they're they're people who you trust, who you connect with on on a personal. Yeah, they level. had your back. They had your back. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly right. And 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 but is also someone who isn't. You're you're not. You can't run all over this person. They might mm-hmm. have your back, but you can't run all over them. And that, and that's, you know, it's it, it's it's. It's hard, you know. It's hard to imagine that the dugout in the clubhouse is like your office, but it is. It's a workplace. It's just a very, it's a very lucrative workplace, and it's a workplace that is on public display every day. But it's the same as any workplace. I mean, you need you need a boss who you can trust, who 
you know, who you're not going to, you know, run over and, and, and who you get motivated to, to, to perform well for. So, uh, I, that does matter. I mean, how much does it matter? I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, like you can have the best manager in the world and have an awful roster and it doesn't matter. I mean, right. So I think there, there are intangibles that a good manager, that a good manager adds, um, that can help put a team over the top. And maybe that's why they would look for a more experienced guy right now. Matt Gilb from the athletic who him and Megan Montemurro. Do you the- feel like you're being held hostage? I mean, do you, like, like I ran day, day one twenty two. Gift card, you know. I got. I need. I need. Yeah. I mean, this is. It's it's been uh, it's been interesting. Have you it guys gone? Me a lot. It reminds me a lot of last off season where John Clark is tweeting about you know John Middleton's plane, and I'm like, oh my god, John Clark wouldn't do ever. that. He wouldn't do that. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was over. I didn't think I'd ever have to. I'm having terrible flashbacks to the uh, Fairfield Inn in Clearwater where I'm, where I'm, you know, late at night trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> you, 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 you guys, all, all of you, Zalecki, Salisbury, Breen, Walbert, you all got to be going stir crazy, though. I mean, because you, you real. I don't think people understand. You really can't do See, anything. I think at this point they're not. See, I think like last week there was like a lot of, but I think now it's just to the point where, okay, it's going to happen. And, and when it happens, we'll report it and life goes on. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, I think I was stressing more last week and now <laughs> I just know it'll happen at an inconvenient time. I'm sure that's life. That's, that's how it goes. Well, Jay Gruden got fired at 530 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, Matt, appreciate it, man. Hope we can talk later in the winter about the actual on-field product at some point. I hope this ends for you soon and all you other guys. I do, but I don't think it is. I'm starting to worry now. I I hope it ends for the fans too. I think the fans, I think everyone in the city would like to get an answer, and then we can, uh, you know, we can just move on. And the playoffs have actually been really good. I don't know if you guys have been. Yes, they have. Yeah, Yeah. pretty good baseball. So yeah, yeah. Of course, in this town, it's football and basketball. (laughs) At this point, once the manager, the situation's probably filled. So. Uh, Matt, appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. Be good. Thanks, guys. Our thanks to Matt Gelb for coming on and talking about the situation, obviously, that continues. I would not imagine there would be a decision on Wednesday. It is Yom Kippur. Um, that, that would that would, that would make, Could you like, imagine? Yeah, yeah, that would not be good to announce it. Well, if they're announcing time. they're bringing them back, they could. Why not? Celebrate, uh, the, celebrate the holiday. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, At this point, Kevin... Matt Gelb held hostage, and Matt Breen, and Jim Salisbury, and Jim Salisbury and and everybody, just everybody in the pot. I mean, it, you know, it makes them look silly. It really does at this point. The well, indecision makes them look silly. Well, it doesn't matter. It, if, if the decision turns out to be the right decision, it doesn't matter. And you won't know that until next May or June. To say, But it, 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 it just, I'm trying to think which is going to be weirder, if he's bought back or if he's not bought back. What the press, which press conference would be weirder? You know, John, it took you uh, almost two weeks to reach a decision. And if they bring him back, which I guess right now is 50 50, I, I, you know, I would say it's probably more. I mean, you're bringing most of his coaching staff I, back. I mean, I, it just, it's like, <coughs> why? What, you know, like it took you, I, I don't know. I, I, at, it, this, it, at this it, point, it, I'm trying to put logic into it. And, and I don't know if logic, but, but maybe. Whatever move he makes, because we all thought most people think he should be fired or should, he shouldn't come back. 
And so maybe the move is to bring him back. I, you know, maybe he talked to players and players said, hey, what? You know, we're going to be good Let, next year. Let's move beyond Gabe Kapler on yeah. this. Okay. No, in, in this sense. Okay. I think the person who is going to have the biggest hit on them over this entire situation could be John Middleton. Um, because what, I think what John, do you mean? I, I, well, I think John Middleton was viewed as voice of the fan. He was, you know, the guy who, you know, wanted the damn trophy back. You know, I think fans kind of thought he was in complete control and this is the way and he was going to be Steinbrenner Jr. and all that. Well, okay? maybe he is. Just because he's taking... But I think this delay and the fact that he's bringing Clintac back and he's keeping McPhail around and, and what all we think. of this... If this is the way it goes, I think he doesn't emerge from this undinged, if you will, or or unsullied, if you will. But again, you—it's all perception, Kevin. If if yeah, does it? What's that? Perception's reality. But if they're forty and twenty-five next year, starting out with Gabe Kapler as the manager, nobody's going to care. You could get rid of Gabe Kapler. With the fan and bring somebody in, somebody good, and they could be thirty and thirty-five next year, and then so then is everybody going to sit there and go, you know, boy, John, you, yeah, you made the move, but it was a bad move. Everything is 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 is, you know, it's what's going to happen after this that's important. It's not necessarily this. It really isn't. You know, you're going to go out. You're going to have to make free agent acquisitions. You're going to have to come see, you know, see what McCutcheon's like, see what you're doing with your mind. There's so many things that are going to happen between now and the All-Star break, let's say, next year. And again, well, the, if the Phillies are winning, the fans will not be right. as down on Gabe. They won't. They but, might not like him. Well, I think the danger point is if they come out of the gate slow, which you're, you've said in the past. And they usually don't. They don't. Maybe they will. But if they come out of the gate. But what if you hired uh, Jim Lay? I it's not Jim Leyland anymore, but one of those guys, Buck Showalter. And you come out of the gate slow. Then so we're all going to sit there and say, geez, John, you made a bit. No, they'll no, probably that- sit there and say, let's have patience. You know, we got Buck Showalter. There's no guarantee that if you bring Buck in here or Madden or Girardi, or Girardi you're going to well, win. I think he could eliminate Madden from this conversation, but okay. okay. But there's no guarantee you're going to win, especially there's no guarantee you're going to win next year. You know, you're not bringing the guy in for one year. You're bringing him in for, you know... But I'm just saying, it's, it's you know, but we want to judge everything. It's like an NFL. We want to judge everything. Boom, boom, boom. And we all expected Gabe to get whacked last Tuesday. And that's why it's confusing to us. John might sit there and give you a perfectly rational explanation in his mind why it happened this way. I don't know what he's going to say. He may talk and I may say, you're an idiot. You know, that that makes no sense whatsoever. Let me hear him talk first. Let me hear him addressed. I'm sure he's going to address the fan base. Yeah. Either way. Let, let's play the hypothetical app that Kapler is back. Um, Does it become one of those things that if they struggle almost immediately, then all three of the leadership guys become... Kevin, you you, you throw conspiracy theories. No! Back. Kevin, That's Kevin. not a conspiracy theory, Mike. He's not going to next May get rid of his general manager, his manager... And McPhail. But what I, we've said is Clintac has been the one really Clintac fighting Clintac will for. go at the end of the year. If it's a bad year next year, Clintac That's and That's what I'm saying. Is no, it easier? Is it, gonna is it, it up it, no. If they, if they struggle next year, 
Let me rephrase oh, you didn't it. Say that. If they struggle next okay, year, you didn't say that. Is it easier than the white ball three out? Yeah, but you didn't say that. You said if they get off to a slow no, start, well, struggling next year is different than getting off to a slow start. Okay. If, if they, they struggle, don't make the playoffs next year, yeah, he could blow it up. He could say, "Yeah, you're all gone." I I, I would almost expect him to, or the manager would certainly be gone. But again, you, you gotta you. you, gotta, you know, what if they get Garrett Cole and they get somebody else and and. I don't know. You know, we're, we're sitting here in, in a vacuum of, this is, of this the is, point 81 and 81. This is why the subject, and look, you you know I love baseball. I've loved covering the, I love covering this team. They have made this offseason already. But like, they won the offseason last year. What was water, this is water torture. And it is. This is how you, this is how you alienate. Your fan, this is almost bordering on arrogance. But if he was going to make a decision based on the fan base, I'm not okay. saying ba- no, make no, it on the fan he, base. No, no, no. But in large, there's baseball part, reasons too. In large part, though, if you're going to say, you know, how can you sell tickets? On and on and on. He would have done it last week. I mean, why would you drag this on for a week and a half if your concern is that if I bring him back? I got to tell the fan base why I bought him back, knowing that the fan base is probably going to be like 80% against me. There is an there is a danger here of them looking extremely arrogant, I think, in the way they've handled it. If they bring him back and they... And basically, if they bring him back and there's a, 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 a you know, we know better than you attitude, they, they, they're going to have to watch their tone really well whenever they make this announcement. They, they, they've already done that. What, what, what do you, McPhail said that to you in June. Clentax said uh-huh. that to you in June. They've already, they've already demonstrated that. They're, 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 they're past that point. They, they, that's why the fan base is upset. The fan base is upset because your, your, your leaders basically come out and say, oh, if we make the playoffs, we make the playoffs. If we don't, we don't. And the fan base is like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Time out here. And the owner has come out as the guy who says, no, we're going for it this year. You know, we we think we have we won the off season. We think we have a pretty good team. That's what makes this so weird, is that he's that guy that's been beating the drum, and maybe wrongly. Like maybe he's getting ahead of himself. You know, yeah. World Series. Well, maybe not. Let, let's come. But okay, you started off good. Whatever. And I don't know why. I don't know who he's talking to. I don't know what he's thinking. Um, <laughs> I. I, I have to hear, hear, hear what he says. Oh, let, let me put it this way. Do you way. think he has to say anything? Yes, I do. But, but what if John Middleton just sits there and says, let's say Thursday, I don't know, whatever, next week, next month, uh, we're going to keep Gabe. Which, by the way, this is criminal what they're doing to him. I, I, because I'm sure this guy's working his butt mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. And then if you do let him go, it's like, okay, well, for two, whatever. And he's getting paid. I don't feel sorry for people that are getting paid. But. Like, what if John Middleton just said, okay, we're bringing Gabe back. He had a year on his contract. I don't really see the need to 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 get up there in front of a, a media group. That I would mean, be worse. You may think it's worse, and I may think it's worse, but he's the owner, and he may not think it's worse. John Middleton, when he fired Ruben Amaro and brought in Andy McPhail, well, brought in Andy McPhail, fired Ruben Amaro, all that, 
Middleton's exact words, and it will be brought up, was, I believe there are times when the owner has to come forward of the franchise and, fa- and face the fans. It's his duty when he owns he a public will. trust. Just, but So for him not to come forward on this but one. that was letting a guy go. Okay, you, You're missing what I'm trying to say here. That's letting a guy go. We're making a change. Okay, This isn't making a change. This is you're bringing back a guy who had a year left on his contract. Then you can't be the public face in May, you know, high you know, high five and everything in, or in March. High five and everybody in Clearwater and I mean, talking you about the, how, you can be that guy in March after you sign Bryce Harper. Sure you can. But that but then when things go bad, you can't disappear. Well, but he but he You can't, Mike. But he may not see it. What I'm saying is he may not see it the way we see it. He may sit there and go, Yeah, I thought we were gonna make the playoffs. I thought me but if you bring Gabe back, then there must be a part of you that thinks he can be a solution next year or be part of the solution or you won't bring him back. So in his mind, he may sit there and say, or he may answer some questions or he may, I mean, I, I think he will, but, in, but how many teams have ever had a press conference to say, that the guy who's under contract is coming back. It's well, like unprecedented. Well, there's also a the traditional end of the season press conference okay. that has not taken place. Okay. So we should point that. And does look, he do that? Does well, the owner it's do the, that? It's the president and the general manager. And okay. so I think because he has taken the responsibility of the Kapler situation, I think he would probably be the one who yeah. came out. But I'm just saying, I'm is, just I'm if he didn't, for whatever reasons, or if he says if they put out a, st- I mean, he may say, "Why do I even have to put out a statement?" I, I don't think they would do that way. But uh, it, but it, technically, yeah. if you're bringing back a guy, it's not like they're picking up. You know, like if you had a pitcher that you had to pick up their contract for next year. Okay, mm-hmm. you're going to make an announcement. We're picking up Joe Schmo's contract for next year. As as you've seen on Twitter, you know where the guys will get on your case. Mm-hmm. You know why are we making such a big deal about? And I understand why. I get it. But I think there will be a press conference. I really do, and I should extend the offer. John Middleton, if you want to c- yeah. come and talk, we'll get Pizza City for you. Yeah. You come in. And, by, and by the way, John will invite you in here. You by the way, in. don't throw Verlander on three days rest, okay? Uh, well, Next time, don't yeah. overthink yourself. People overthink themselves. Yes, they do. But that's okay. I don't know who else they would have. Who would they have thrown if they didn't throw him? Um, they wouldn't have thrown Cole, would they? No, they wouldn't. Couldn't throw. He pitched in game two. Uh, let's get on to the Eagles. <clears throat> uh, boy, the Jets are a bad football team. I mean, well, w- without their quarterback, I mean, they're not a good football team. But I think if they had Darno, Darnold, Darno, they're a five-six win-, win team. I mean, I think up in New York, they were even thinking maybe they could be a little better than that. I I don't know their schedule, so I I don't. But without him, when you're playing Folk or whatever, what was that guy's name? They Folk. might as well play me. They might as well play Joe Namath at seventy. Because I mean they're hot. They've scored one offense. No, two now. Two offensive TDs in four games. Yeah, really. Come on. So, yeah, yeah. They're right now. I don't know if they're worse than the Redskins or they're worse than the Dolphins or they're worse than the Bengalis. There's some bad teams in that league. Well, the Redskins are. So are the Bengals. Yeah, so are the Dolphins. The Dolphins are. How about this? The Redskins are favored this week. Uh, actually, Miami. no, I think it's going to a pick em. Oh, the opening line was like three and a half. Yeah, it's going Maybe to a pick Maybe after Gruden em. got five. I'd, I'd play the Redskins. I think the Dolphins are just... I think they're dog... But hey, 
yeah, who cares? Um, we'll get more into the Eagles on Thursday. We're hoping to have an Eagles guest come on, uh, one of the Eagles writers that we know and love and respect, and <clears throat> they'll break down the Eagles Vikings game. Big stretch coming up here. I mean, these three games are are are. We've kind of looked at this schedule since it came out in April and went, okay, here's the here's the landmine. You know, Minnesota on the road, Dallas on the road, Buffalo on the road. I think Jeff McLean said it's the first time since 19, I think it was 74, that a team has gone on the road three straight weeks and had to take an airplane to each one of them. Yeah, I remember there was a year where the Eagles near the end of the season, I think, had three Division games in a row on, on the, the road. road. But off day one was Giants and one was Dow- oh, Washington. Washington. Yeah, I get it. And I think they won those three games, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and I'll tell I think, look, they're all going to be tough. I don't think they're going to go 0 3. I think they're going to figure out. I don't out think they're going 3 0 either. So. No, but, well, let me ask you this. Would you take 1 and 2 if the win was over Dallas? Yes. Okay. See, I think the, the toughest game is going to be game. Because it's a, it'll be the it's third the game. Buffalo's not bad. Buffalo's yeah. You know, Buffalo plays defense. Um, it'll be up there. It'll be cold. If Buffalo quarterback is okay by then, um, and then he also got New England coming here right at some point. Not they, that's the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay, they, and they get the Bears. You get Seattle here, right? here. They get the, they, or Seattle here, and after you get three on the road, right? You get three at home. Okay, with the bye mixed in, you get the Bears home, right? By right, New England at home and Seattle and Seattle. At See, home. to me, that three games could be just—it's basically a six-game stretch when you really think about right. it. Right? Because their last four or five are fairly relatively docile. Yeah, yeah. Dolphins, yeah. Giants, Redskins, Cowboys at home, and maybe Giants two Giants, again. two, two giants. giants. Yeah. So I mean, and the Giants could be okay by then. I mean, you know, Barkley's be back. But I'm just saying, the next six games, you know, and the Bears look like. You know, their offense stinks. So I, I try not to put too much into what happens in London because it's a weird Well, situation. the question is, is it going to be Daniel or Trubisky? Well, I mean, I'm assuming if Trubisky can play, it's going to be Trubisky. But right. the Bears' defense is really good. Their offense is really bad. So, but out of those six games, I think you need to go at least three and three. You know, um, they could beat New England here. I, I, the Eagles, if they play like they played against Green Bay, you know everybody mocked Dallas's early schedule. New England's early schedule was not much, but New England's early schedule is never much, usually because they got the Dolphins and, and the, the Bills and the Jets mixed in. Now the Bills this year are a little or a little bit better, and but, they got they got a down Pittsburgh team. Like the one yeah. team they've played that's above five hundred, but they beat Pittsburgh is, all the time anyway. Right, the one team that's above five hundred is the Bills that they've played, and they, that was a tight game. So. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I I think New England's got a really good defense, um, and how Bill Belichick does. There's there's not a name guy on their defense, really. There's not a guy who was drafted like fourth in the draft or anything, and he's got historically what has been the best defense through five games in NFL history. I don't put a whole lot of stock in that, but they play defense. And the question is, Tom Brady's 41. You know, can you protect Tom Brady? Can you run the ball enough? They're still in New England. I mean, right. yeah, I'm not saying they're going to win the If Super you're an Bowl. Eagle fan, the most positive thing that occurred this week was you got push out of your defensive line. That Your defensive line was able to get pressure. Now, whether that was because the Jets' Kevin. offensive line stunk. Kevin. People are analyzing this game because they have nothing better Hold to on. do. Kevin, it's the Jets. It's the Jets. 
Well, all I, kept I thought was, that their defensive line also played better against the Packers last week. It's the Jets. The only thing you take out of this game, other than Carson Wentz getting wheeled off, is they played a team they're supposed to beat easily, and they beat them easily. It's automatic. doesn't matter if they had 10 sacks. doesn't matter if the offense looked, eh, you know, not great. Which leads to they, the next. Here's what they had to do. Which leads to the next question. Everybody's looked at the defensive backs as the main area need. And we're getting close to the trade deadline. It's at the end of the month here. Okay. Everybody's looked at the defensive back area as the area need. Now, they will have Jalen Mills coming back at some point. Uh, but that's obviously one area. Could the bigger area need for them, though, be, and I never thought I'd say this at the beginning of the year, another wide receiver? Well, I mean, it depends what Deshaun. I, I don't know what Deshaun's going to do. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're asking me a question. Because, because some, of the, some of the stuff that you thought this offense would be able to do, stretching the field without Jackson there, you can't. So, so who are you going to get to stretch the field? Are there, are there guys out there? You well, know, it, it's one thing to say, yeah, the Eagles should get a wide receiver. Okay, tell me who they're going to get that's going to be better than what they have, that they can afford to get. Tell me which defensive back they can go out and get that they can afford to get that's going to be available. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> okay, we need a wide receiver. Uh, Pittsburgh, give us Juju um, or give us your second. It doesn't doesn't happen. It, do, it do, It's not like baseball where there's like a trade deadline and the, the Braves well, the need a second trade deadline baseman. has become more active in the last. become more active, but you, you can't. This is why Aguilar has to be better than he is. He's the guy One target in two games. He's got to... But, but look, he, but he had a good couple. I and mean, he had the dropping in Green Bay. I get it. He had the fumble against the... Fa- I get it. Against but the he Lions. Also made, yeah. But he's... You're not going... They're not going to go out and get... Any wide receiver they get probably isn't going to be as good as Aguilar. Or it'll be about what Aguilar is. So if that's the case, I, I just think it means that you have to depend on Goddard more. And I know everybody doesn't want to hear this, but hey, throw the ball to, to Ertz. Or run the football. Or, well, th- that too, and I think they're going to try to do that. But, you know, if you get in a game and, and the run game ain't working for whatever reason, you know what coaches do. Most mm-hmm. coaches, it's, it's not just Doug. It's almost every coach. I mean, San Francisco last mm-hmm. night plays that game and they just kept run. Now, granted, you're beating the Browns. It's, e- you know, you can keep running the ball in those situations. And they ran for like, like 200 or whatever the heck they ran for. It's This, this is the thing. It's five games in. Are the Eagles great as good as a lot of people thought they are going to be? No, in part because of the injuries. But tell me who in the NFC is great. You know, well, San that Francisco was going to be the had, next question. Like, is uh, San Francisco... Like if, you did a, if you did a pecking order right now of the NFC... Well, you put San Francisco first because they're 4-0, but, you know, green or you put Green Bay one or the other. You'd have one of those two teams, one or two. But, I mean, who... who Seattle, Seattle's pretty good. Yeah, but pretty good isn't great. You know, is Seattle better than the Eagles? See, I, I'll make the argument that the NFC, you look at Seattle's lone losses to New Orleans, okay? It's all, it's almost like a, a Ram-Robin thing. Seattle's lone, lone losses to New Orleans. New Orleans obviously lost to the Rams. The Rams, I don't know what has happened to them the last couple of weeks. I don't think Dallas has proven they could beat good teams yet. The Eagles' road win in Green Bay is huge. San Francisco, for as good as they've played... I don't think they've played a team that you go sit there and go, wow. You know, this is the first week you see them coming up. They go to L.A. and play the Rams. I think this is where you find out if the, the Niners are for real. But all those teams, if you threw them in a hat and picked them out, I think that's as good a shot of, of a Super Bowl 
pick as you could get. And I didn't even mention like the Minnesotas of the world who. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the point. The Eagles are good. They, yeah. they could even be very good. Uh, I think the Eagles upside is still pretty games, good. Like, you've only played a third of the schedule. There's 11 games to play. By, the, by mid-November, we could be saying uh, the 49ers stink. Or uh, the Eagles stink. Or uh, the Vikings stink. I mean, it's it's. I still think. The team, that I guess right now, if you ask me right now, I would say the two teams that intrigue me the most are Green Bay and New Orleans. Because I think New Orleans is playing without their guy, and they're winning. Now, they got an interesting one this week. Um, it, it's a tough guy. I can't remember. I don't have the, the lines in front of me. but it, it's And every week it changes because, it, you know, if somebody loses one week, then I mean, a week, two weeks ago, Dallas was the best team in the NFC. You know, everybody, ah, Dallas, Dallas, and they've had two bad losses. So, you know, I think everybody's kind of in the fight for home field advantage. Um, I mean, how many and, wins is it going to take to get home field advantage? And to be honest, this year it may not matter as much. Oh, uh, you still want to be home? Oh, you still care. want to, but I mean, I don't, care I don't think it's says. an automatic. You that, want to go to Lambeau in, in um? No, but I don't think it's an automatic that whoever comes out of the uh, nobody said it was the, an automatic. No, but I, I think people used to think that if you had home field advantage, it was a a lead pipe block. You got to the Super well, Bowl. Well, in the last five, I think I have this correct. In the last five years, well, New Orleans lost the home. No, last but in the year. last five years, and Kansas City lost. Yeah. The four years before that or the five years before New that? New Orleans got Jacksonville this week, by the it way. It was, yeah. And and uh, is that game in London? No. Okay. The um, And it's like a pick em game, yeah. I think, at Jacksonville. New, Orle- New Orleans got the Jags but and Bears coming up next years two weeks. four before this, before last year, I think the one seeds, either one or two seed had made it. What was the stat? Was it the one seed? Anyway. You weren't getting to the Super Bowl as a three, four, five, or six. No, you have to be a one or two. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, and that means you have to win the division. Can't you know? You probably can't be a wild card team and 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 have to play three games on the road, probably, or not probably. You would have to play would have three to games. play. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's right now to sit there and try to figure out who's the best team. You know, let me see what the Saints look like when Breeze gets back. But so far, they've done pretty good without him. Yeah. As far and even a team like um, you know Carolina now. I mean, like they've lost, they've won three straight. I don't know what to make of Carolina. McCaffrey's leading the league in rushing. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're okay. Um, I don't know what to make of the Bears, except their offense kind of stinks. Um, yeah, maybe this is a year like you make the wild card like at nine and seven. I don't know. People are going to beat up on each other. Yeah. Um, but like if San Francisco wins this week, which I'm not sure they're going to do. But if they were, that you know, they'd be five and zero with a win over the Rams, um, and Seattle's also in that division, right? So I mean, that's that's a pretty darn good division. That's a real good division. I mean, unlike the um, AFC North, where like teams stink. By the way, the Niners schedule beyond the Rams this week at the Redskins, then the Panthers at home at the Cardinals, so they can rip off. Well, even if they lose to the Rams, they could be seven and one. Yeah. Uh, then Seahawks, Cardinals at home, Packers at home, at Ravens. That's not easy. At Saints and Falcons, Rams, see at Seahawks yeah. to wrap it up. They so the second a, half of their schedule be a ten or eleven win team. And I thought I thought San Francisco would be better this year. Uh, I, I I didn't I didn't think. And plus, boy, uh, Cleveland is. You know, Cleveland is, and, and we should point out the four wins for the for the Niners. They they had a buy in there at Tampa. Yeah, teams are like five and fifteen. At, yeah, at Tampa, at Cincinnati, 
the Steelers, and then if the you try to figure out this league, and I've said it before, I will say it again. And I'm looking at it as a betting thing now because mm-hmm. that's what I kind of do. It's try to figure it out. Try to figure out how Cleveland can win the week before that in a game at the, and then just look. I mean, they didn't even look like they should be on the field no, last night. No, they were awful. Um, you know, I mean, there's some teams you can point. Yeah, we know the Jets are. Now, what the Jets are going to be with Donald, I have no idea. The Dolphins stink. The Redskins stink. The Bengals stink. Um, but there's so many teams in the middle of that. I mean, Pittsburgh should have beat the Ravens this week. They yeah. had that horrible another. How about this? Another horrible call in the NFL on a quarterback hit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm getting so sick of this. That teams are losing games because a referee sits there and a, you hit the quarterback the wrong way. How can a defensive player stop himself? I don't understand this. I, I they, they're 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 trying to ruin the game. They really are. Um, I was going to get in the Sixers, but you know what? We'll we'll talk to John Johnson next week. Uh, Sixers are good. Sixers are good. But then again, we thought the Eagles were good. I mean, we think every team's good. We thought the Phillies were good. Philadelphians do that. Every team's good. Until they start playing. But uh, I think the but Sixers... But the Sixers are... But we thought that about the Eagles. People I still told, think the Eagles are good. People told me they had a better team than they had that won the Super Bowl. I still, huh? I still think the Eagles are good. They could be. And the injuries have played a factor. But injuries play a factor with Every team. But we all sat here in March and pretty much thought the Phillies were going to be a playoff team. And, you know, they might have been if they didn't get injured, too. I don't know. And I, but I do think the Sixers are. You watch what's going to happen this year. I, I know this is going to happen. The Celtics are going to be good. Because everybody thinks. Last Count year. them out. Last year. Oh, my God. Can't, we can't beat the Celtics. Oh, my God. They're getting Hayward back. Oh, my God. They're getting Kyrie Irving back. They stunk. Yeah. Now. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody. Not even Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge is kind of like ah, yeah. And like you said, they got the best coach in the league, or yep. one of the best coaches in the league. They could be that team that comes like, I don't know, wins fifty five games that you didn't think was going to. And obviously, the biggest issue with the NBA this week has been the 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 conversation about the the Daryl Morley with the tweet about Hong Kong, which infuriated Ch- uh, the you want Chinese to explain government. That just in case somebody doesn't know what was. He supported the Hong Kong separatist movement in a tweet. Which has been going on for like which two has or been three months, months of protests. Right. And the NBA has a lot of business interest in China. Uh, NBA is now in China right now playing exhibition games. Chinese government, very sensitive to all this. Cracked, uh, basically, like, you know, came out against it and everything. The NBA's initial response was kind of weak. Uh, today yeah, was a little stronger. Today was a little stronger, saying they would defend the free speech of Daryl Morley, uh, Daryl Morley, Morey rather. Which it's interesting because that team is the one who opened the gateway to China because of Yao Ming. Because of Yao Ming. And well, let me ask you this: because this is what I think the basic question is: Does your rights as, as an American citizen, when you work for a team and and a league? So, like, if if I was still working at the Daily News, let's say, mm-hmm. and the Daily News had interest somewhere, and I tweeted something out that went against, you know, similar kind of thing, because you could make the argument, because this goes back to Kaepernick, you know, when Ka- you know when Kaepernick, and they say, well, when you're wearing that San Francisco, you are uniform, representing us. You don't have the right to do that, 
And then there are people saying, no, you have the right to do that. That's why people die in wars, because for that right. So that's what, to me, it comes down to. Daryl Morey, as an American, absolutely has the right to say that. But when he's in his capacity... As the Houston you GM, have to be very sensitive. Does that get super? I don't know. I don't you have do. an answer. I, I, but I also agree. You know, Mike Silski wrote a great column in the Inquirer on uh, on Tuesday. As Mike often, and, and Mike's column was basically, you know, the the league holds itself in high esteem on social issues. You know, obviously, there's been a lot of cases where they have come out, you know, and gone, all, you know, taken stands over social issues that they that would be deemed controversial. You know, uh, you know, you could go from the, the I can't breathe shirts that LeBron and his team wore in Miami to, you know, uh, against p- police brutality and all that. And, and I don't want to get into a sidetrack, but no money was on the line there or no opening of a market was on the line there. The NBA comes across here as just caring about that big Chinese market with a billion people where they sell a lot of jerseys. And that's when the initial response came out so weak. Like, you're okay for standing for social justice in this country. Why won't you impose it on, you know? Well, well, let me ask you this question. If the NBA, if you went up to the NBA tomorrow, and China says, we're not going to, we're done. And they, of course, shut off exhibition games today on Chinese television and all that. If China went up to Silver and said, this is, is, we are, that's it, you're out of China. Right now. The NBA um, would survive. Wait, 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 wait. Unless you come out against Daryl Morey. Unless you come out and say, what does the NBA choose? And is the NBA wrong to turn its back on billions of dollars? I mean, it's easy for me to say. And I, look, I would defend people's rights because I'm an American. I, I mean, that's just my nature. But... I'm not in that position. And I guarantee you, if the NFL was in that position where billions of dollars were online, I mean, how come Kaepernick never got signed by a team? You know, it's kind of funny. Now, maybe it was because he couldn't play anymore. There are quarterbacks in this league playing right now, and I'll guarantee you aren't as good as Colin Kaepernick. So they took a stance, and it was a monetary stance because they were afraid if Colin Kaepernick lined up in an Eagles uniform, that all of a sudden people in Philadelphia weren't going to root for the Eagles. I know what you're saying, and I agree. <clears throat> that, but I think I guess the problem is when you're so strong one way, and then you don't, then you're kind of timid in another sense. Well, what did you want them to do? That'd be that well, might, but the, I guess it's what the, did you want Adam Silver to do today? Should he have come out and say, "I defend the Houston general manager. You do what you have to do," and then Yao Ming says, "Well, okay, you're done." Do you do that if you're a commissioner? And then the other, and then the thirty owners go, "Hey, we, wait a minute, we just we just lost billions of dollars." I mean, it's an easy decision for us to make because ain't my money, I, you know. I mean, what does it's Le- a very fine line. Okay, I will. Uh, what does LeBron James think? Maybe, maybe we should ask LeBron. Say, "Hey, LeBron's LeBron. over there right now." Okay, but LeBron, if we don't get this 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 billions of dollars from China. Your next contract might not, well, LeBron's probably not the right guy to ask that, but some guy and say, you know, your next contract's going to be, you know, a couple million dollars less because we have less money. I'm just saying, I, you can bend this any way you want. I just, my, my Mike, question Mike, is. Mike, I don't, I don't disagree with you. What would you, all but, I'm saying But is, I what, think there are, I think their stance, and maybe this is a, per, a cautionary tale for any league that wants to get too far into a communist country. 
into farm markets. Mm. There's only one activism. Well, no, but Basically. like, but activism and, and 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 all that. I think when you there's a there's a and especially when you're trying to get into other markets that there is there's a there's a pitfall that takes place. I'm well, not saying well, to me to me the NBA should stand up for the rights of its. Yeah, Daryl Morey lives in the United States. Okay. One of the rights he has as a United States citizen is to make a political so statement. Were, so if you were Adam Silver, you would have came out today and did what? I would have probably said, I, you know, he is one em, he is one employee of thousands hired by the NBA. Uh, you know, I am not going to censor that employee. Well, that's kind of what he said, right? Okay, so what? But what, what more but would you want to say? But there, I'm not. I'm not saying today. I'm saying what the initial response was was pretty weak. The fact that 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 you know there was uh, you know well, I think when China comes at you and says. You know, I, I think it catches you by a surprise. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's like if the president gets caught in something or, or a governor gets caught in something or, you know, sometimes it catches you by surprise. You're, you're not ready for it to make a, what what did the NBA do with, with the guy Cantor that was getting, um, you know, he couldn't From go Turkey. Back. Yeah. yeah. Did we get involved in that? Why? I don't know, but I'm saying, so should, should, should they have come out and say, hey, wait a minute, you, Turkey, you can't do that. You know, no, Turkey, well, like, can do, Turkey can do whatever it wants. China can do whatever it wants. You have to make a decision. Are you willing to put that billions and billions of dollars on the line? Well, and this is the other part, too. It has also become a, a rallying cry, strangely, in this time, a political times we live in. Republicans and Democrats both have been coming out against what the NBA has said to this point. Mm-hmm. It's become a political you know, pinata. And, you know, I think I think it's one of those things that we see all these leagues trying to stretch their tentacles into all these other countries. And I get for the economic reasons at play. This is the danger of it, that you're going you are going into cultures and places where some of the things that you take for granted are not. okay are not there. I would say to these Republicans and Democrats, whoever it is, that doesn't. What should the NBA have done? See, you, you, people can't come out and criticize. Give me your answer. It, it, do, do, should I will pull back a little bit on the relationship right now. I'll, I'll be honest. If that's I, fine. That's not your money, and that's fine. Maybe the NBA can live without the $5 billion or the $10 billion or the 20 whatever it is. That's fine. But you're still the NBA. Yeah. You're a business. You're, you're, th- this is your growth 20 years from now where you yeah. think there's going to be Hundreds of thousands of people in China playing basketball and rooting for Houston, you know, whatever. Um, it, it, it's, you know, I, I understand both sides of it. And as American, I want to stand up for everybody's rights. Yep. But we, people's rights all around the world get stamped on all the time. Yep. We got to go. Thank you, Mike. Why do we have to go? It's a podcast. We can talk as long as we want. I know, but okay. we, we we'll have go. to go. We got to go. Because uh, okay. we'll see each other in two days. In two days, and we'll. Okay. By the way, one one last thought. Football picks were awesome last week. I don't think in the NFL I did that. In Better's Insider, I did good on Saturday. Uh, I, I lost a teaser like because because what five in one weekend for yours truly. That's good, and you can pat yourself on the back. Right. And then when you go one and five, then the following I kick my ass. Yes. Um, one last thought, just on on that subject. As Americans and freedom, dem- democratic freedom people. It seems kind of funny that we pick and choose our fights when to stand up for that. When it's right for America, 
you know, we'll say, well, you should have de- democracy here and democracy here. And, de- and sometimes other things get in the way, like oil, maybe, or whatever, whatever the case might be. And sometimes we'll say, you know, we got to go in there and be really, really, really strong about it. And other times maybe uh, it, it, there is no easy answer to this because there is no answer. No. But if China comes to the NBA tomorrow and says, unless you castigate this guy, we're having nothing to do with you. And then Adam Silver, I think at that point, should say, well, I'm not castigating the guy. And then do, everybody will be Do happy. what you want. Yeah. All right, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, baby. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for joining us. It's working to be. Have a good one.